Lord, we thank you for this morning that you have given us where we worship together as a church family. May you be with us and your name be glorified in everything we do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, pardon the edgy title. Um, I have to say I like Chuck Value a lot. Um, but in Timothy, um, oh my goodness, in, in the Shepherd Leader book that I was reading this week, I didn't have a title for the Sunday school, but something came up. He divides macro and micro as the responsibilities of the elder in the protection of the flock. And one thing he mentions very clearly that stroke me, I said, this is the title of the series, and I don't want to stop here. I probably will, get o- will go over men, women, and children with different books. It's cultural wolves. We as shepherds of this church, as elders, have a responsibility to warn you of the things that are prowling in our midst. Some of us see it more than others as we are more involved in social media, have younger kids, and not necessarily public schools, but we see it everywhere. We see it especially there in those, in those arenas that our younger kids are entering into. So it is the responsibility of the church as, as the macro responsibility of letting you know what's happening. If you have seen it, and you'll be in accordance, you probably will learn a little bit. If not, this is a warning sign of things that we should be on the lookout, right? So first of all, before we begin, I would like to perform just a silent test. So there's some aspects, there's some verses in the Bible that probably will make us uncomfortable, right? And we usually do not say anything about them, we just keep silent and continue our lives. We know it's biblical, but as long as you don't preach it or say anything in church, we're fine. So let's let's try the first. Wives, submit your, to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. We're fine right now, right? This is biblical stuff. We're used to it. We're reformed, right? Doesn't cross anything, any bad thoughts or any internal fights that we may have. What about this one? The woman should keep silent in the church, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law says. also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them speak let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now we're getting into some uncomfortable passages, right? But we as Reformed folk, right, like we, we like to say we are um, in peace with these verses. But it's been my, to my bewilderment this past few months that we're not. There's some of us that are highly uncomfortable with verses like this, even if we 
think they're biblical. But just let's keep it silent. Let's put it in our minds. Let's test if we have been implanted with some kind of uh, splinter in our minds that we haven't yet figured out with things that make us uncomfortable. We should make peace with all of the Bible, right? So, are these are there wolves, or are just are we being alarmist? What do you think? Can you mention some? Don't be shy, like people who speak. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Vividelli. I was counting on you. <laughs> He is allowed to speak, of course. I'm not afraid of anything I'm putting here, so go. Amen. Amen. Does everybody agree with her? You can't submit to a fool. That's a very good, very good answer. But do we know of any wolves that are prowling? Say it. it doesn't have to do with men, even if you have seen the title. He definitely did, and those were very desperate times too, where God would the 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 people of Israel usually was under judgment. But just to move forward. And just to continue onward, the prevailing ones that I see mostly, again, social media, classrooms, my neighbors, the discuss of biblical roles, the dismantling of the family structure, the perversion of sex. Yes? As Christians, correct. Correct. Is the mission field what I what I'm what I'm mostly talking about? Yes, because we don't stop being the church in all in our work or school, university, and that's part of the kingdom that we are trying to reach people with the gospel, right? And it's a hostile territory. So yes, to answer your question, it is a the mission field that the church is to be in, and if you're not in, it's a good time to start doing it. So, for example, the meetup that Eric George, just to add a parenthesis to the whole thing, it is a mission field. He's taking its time Friday after Friday, going there along with Jose and evangelizing, putting some good topics and creating thought process on these people that hate God eventually. Like, that's period. So, to continue, the perversion of sex, which is a very interesting one, and the rise of the androgynous society. What do you, can somebody tell me what this means or 
how are we seeing it right now? Just to define androgynous, you erase what man and woman are. Basically, we are sexless. That's what I mean. So, what are we seeing right now? You were going to say something, Eric? Oh, sorry about that. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yes. I'm a human philosopher, but anything that has to do with the Bible, and in particular, anything that the Bible says, you as a man, you as a woman, you as an employer, there's requirements on you. Yeah. And so it goes beyond just male-female rules. It goes to all of society, right. all, everything that the Bible says about our rules is under that. And this gas was on purpose. Because that's basically what we're finding. It's disgust for anything biblical. And we are discredited as far as you mention it. You don't have any more credibility. Even though we are the rational ones, right? So, I asked a question. You don't have to answer it. But do you believe this point to as subtle or not? Specifically... War on the biblical definition of men, specifically. I'm not talking about children or women. I'm talking men. Yes. yes. So we have an accordance here. I will continue with that, yes. If not, I will stop and do something else. <laughs> the Bible is hopelessly patriarchal. I, I was practicing that word. That word is super hard for me. As a Spanish speaker. But yeah, I was in the bathroom yesterday. Patriarchal. Matriarchal. <laughs> we have here Mary Deli, a feminist scholar, who basically finds out, yeah, there's nothing we can do with this book. It is patriarchal. There's no two ways about it. The churches that are trying to say that it's not, they're fooling themselves, and they better teaching something else, which they already are. So... This is some of the things that I find every time I just put patriarchy on the internet. I don't have to put or search for anything in particular of hate for the patriarchy. It's just patriarchy. So you have here, smash the patriarchy. For you who are in the back, here it says, not gay as in happy, but queer as in abolish the patriarchy. Here we have... The patriarchy isn't going to smash itself, knowing that they have an agenda to work on it, right? Smash the patriarchy. My favorite season is the fall of the patriarchy and possibly grooming, which is basically what they're doing, if we're completely honest. So, biblical patriarchy to... And let's make, an, let's make a definition here so we can move on and I don't have to repeat it again. There's only two kinds of men. Men under Adam and men under Christ. There's no other type of men in a centrist form. It is either that or that. Either for condemnation or for salvation. I hope we can agree on that. So every time I'm going to 
talk about others is men under Adam. What is patriarchy? The natural rulership of men as appointed by God, not invented by us. From Greek, father rule. The covenant being made with Adam, not only for himself, but for his posterity, all mankind descending from him by ordinary generation, sinning him and fell with him in his first transgression. Question 16, or answer, should say, from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Redemptive history, it is patriarchal history. And he said, I am God, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and Moses, Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And he uses the word there. There is good and there is bad patriarchy, as Lori said at the beginning, you won't submit to a fool, right? So submission is an act that has to be willful. You can make, you can definitely make your wife submit. She's not going to be a happy wife, and she probably will make your life a miserable hell. It has to be a willful submission to a loving, a kind, and a husband who leads biblically. And even if he doesn't lead biblically, my God, another word, you see? I keep finding them. <laughs> um, they are, you're going to lead them, but you're going to lead them to hell. But you're going to lead them. The good, the king over Joseph gave, gave honor to Israel and his sons. He encouraged them to live among them and gave them land to dwell on it. it was, he felt no enmity against them. He invited them over. He encouraged them to use land in Egypt. He continued onward. Even an Israel, Israelite man was administering his kingdom. He was the second man, right? But then we have the bad, which is the king over Moses. It didn't take much time to, to forget about all that, right? So the king over Moses saw the sons of Israel as a threat to his reign. So he enslaved them and sought to destroy directly their male progeny. And one thing I want to add here is every young man is capable of being a patriarch. And he will fall in one of those two. So it is our job as families to raise Godly children. Well, it is there. I thought I, I skipped it. <laughs> That's why you're laughing. Every young man has the potential to become a patriarch, either good or bad. So, what is the tools that the enemy is using currently to mold our children, especially our boys? He harnessed their strength by, and these are examples not to be exhaustive, he enculturation and indoctrination. Some examples like patriotism, military service, schooling, schooling being one of the more prominent ones now. Most of us homeschool, but 
and others go to private school, but it's this, uh, the, the same um, indoctrination. And I don't know if you've been watching, there's been some videos running around about a, a YouTube channel called Project Veritas, where they have been exposing even private schools to the indoctrination of children. No, they're not hiding it. They're certainly talking about it. So we have Nebuchadnezzar, the Hitler Jew, Islamic radicalization, and again, the Pharaoh. I want to take some time to talk about this right here. Second tool will be to pacify them. That means virtual fornication and fake dominion with, and I'm going to take this back. What do you think is virtual fornication? Pornography. Pornography. I don't want you talking, man. You know all this. <laughs> Pornography. And what about fake dominion? What is the first thing that comes to your mind? Fake dominion. Gaming. Have you guys heard about Minecraft? Kids love it. I've seen people build the Game of Thrones setting on Minecraft. Thousands upon thousands of hours building castles that are beautiful. It takes time. It's art. But at the same time, it is fruitless. No money is gained from it. No intelligence is gained from it, pretty sure. The time you've spent on creating um, Lord of the Rings Lothlorien, because I've seen those too, you haven't had any children, you haven't married, you've been in your house in front of your computer. This arise, I, I like video games, I'm not going to say they are particularly bad. I play video games, I've done it all my life, I've managed to marry and have kids, because I put some discipline on that. Um, but there's a particular rise in the last five years, a very interesting topic on video game, and it's simulators. And you can find them from gas managing simulator, which is basically running a gas station, to police simulator, to all those kind of stuff. And you mean, you, you, you're telling me you couldn't do this in the real life and make money, make a career out of it? Um, oh, power washing simulator. And destroy them. Life is not an option. If you can pacify them, destroy them, it can be overt or subtle. Pharaoh versus Absalom. Communism, etc. Um, little short in time, so Second Samuel 15, 2-6 is how Absalom was stealing the men from David, his father. Yes, Correct.
Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yes, yes. So, interesting that you mentioned that, men preparing for the role of patriarchs. It's very important, especially now. Um, I've been having discussions about this with a younger fellow, and where men, single men, are desperate to find a woman. But in the end, if you look at them, they have no material being patriarchs or good men. They can't even take care of themselves. So... Which fault is this? Correct. Thank you. Thank you. You got to push them. I read something this week that said, concerning the mother, which is, the good mother eventually fails. What does that mean? Eventually, you have to stop nurturing your kid. And you got to push him to be adventurous because... This is hard work. So one of the things that I, I, I don't want to get too ahead of it, um, but it's taking time. So, but one of, the, one of the, the, the things that we could say to this man is a woman knows when she's the mission. And that is as attractive as worn out shoes. <laughs> They know it. It's desperate. And if you make them the mission, they know once you have them, you will become this useless man that has achieved it all, and you will stay at home, your battle has ended, until you divorce. Probably. Hopefully not. <laughs> so let's continue. So we have those three, harness the strength, pacify them, destroy them. I'm going to add something to pacify them, which came from a thought of uh, just... Uh, thinking about the classes we took with Michael and how he put into perspective how detrimental is debt. And I would put debt and pacify them. Debt is a thing that will make a man scared of doing anything until he pays off anything that he owes. And that could basically take him years. Now we see it, we see it with uh, student loans, which they start their lives In debt. Oh, I cannot marry or have kids. I need to pay this debt. So I would add that to pacify them. The reason for the hate of the patriarchy. As man goes, so goes to his household. As a household goes, so goes the church. And as, society, as the church goes, so goes the society. Batman or bad patriarchs evil patriarchs, is what we're seeing the results right now. Is there time yet? Uh, I think so. I think so. And I think it's going to get better. I don't think... Uh, I'm, I'm positive about the future based on my eschatology. But I definitely think things are still savage, salvageable. And if we're going to go through a, a period of pain, possibly, or and more, most certainly, but definitely... There's still time for men to take responsibility 
and move the chief forward. So moving on to, that's just toxic masculinity. Have you heard, have you heard this? It's funny because this, every time they use it is in favor of anything biblical. And we can see, again, I just put on masculinity. I didn't add any adjective to it. It is stop the crying, stop crying, you have, be a man. Men deserve to be better. The three worst words are, you could be, you could say to a boy are, be a man. And I added this guy here, because it was interesting. Because I've seen, there's a term for this type of men on the internet. They call them shats. Which is to say, an alpha male that is, tox, is basically the poster boy to toxic masculinity. Like taking care of your body and having abs and muscle. And if not, just being healthy is toxic masculinity. Because you're telling other people, you're fat, you need to do better. <laughs> fat shaming. So, biblical masculinity, toxic. But, nowhere in the Bible, the idea or suggestion that aggressive instincts, which comes from masculinity, are a result of the fall. It is used by God to execute dominion. Dominion, it is a drive of masculinity to fill the earth and to subdue it. You cannot sit in your couch... And think, like most singles now, and I'm, I don't want to general, generalize because I know there's some struggle there, but definitely I have friends who have sat down on their couches waiting for their spouse. When in reality, you have to prepare to be a patriarch. And the call is to work. It takes work. It takes sweat. God creates man on earth according to Genesis for productive, representative rulership. To what time do I have? 10.15? Can I stand to 20? So dominion is not just stewardship. Stewardship is biblical too. We had a discussion about this, Eric, I know. But it's, it's, it's biblical too. But to guard, to protect, and administer something first, it has to be conquered. So you steward what you have. But you have to move in. you got to let the chaos in and keep advancing forward. Family is one of those things that need dominion. Again, you cannot sit and expect for your spouse to come. you got to take dominion of it, of it and move forward. The job still has to be done. Even if Adam failed, so God sends his only son to do it. Sin does not em- eliminate dominion. But corrupts it, man continues what God started. And three bad words in this culture is dominion by nature is productive. We plant, we cultivate, and we raise godly seeds. And the reason people hate masculinity, it basically goes with the word hates anything that produces. Especially that which produces life. They hate work. And if you're not, if you haven't heard from this in the past month, you're in for a treat. Family. And they hate children. They hate them. 
They abort them and they kill them in the womb. In the name of progress. Quiet quitting, for those who don't know, is doing the bare minimum at work. Because it doesn't matter what you do. It's fruitless and pointless. I just want to go home and play video games. Guys only think about one thing and it's disgusting. This is an internet meme format as we move to sexuality. Um, not trying to be crass here. Trying to be, uh, I'm going to be as clean as possible with this area. But this is basically a meme. Is this right here. And it's a running joke that when you say guys literally want only one, one thing and it's, there's a bad word there, disgusting. What it means is that we only think about sex. And yes, it's definitely a drive. We're not going to hide it. And it's part of our nature. Sex is definitely a drive for men. But again, what do men really want? What comes to your mind as a man or as a woman? Do you know your husband enough to know what he really wants? What is embedded in our nature? Even if we are corrupted, even if we know degenerates that are on, my, on, on Minecraft all day, what are they doing? Satan control. But what, are they, what is the activity that they're doing? Conquering. They're building. They want to build. That energy has to be channeled somewhere. If it's fruitless or not, it doesn't matter for them as long as they are building. I am managing that gas station on my video game because I need to be productive. You going to say something? Because it corrupts. It doesn't change the nature. The nature is still there. We have to build. But still, but it's going to be corrupted. Like everything sin does. Anything to add to that? Okay. So, the corruption of sex. Got one minute left. And we have to be honest about this. How many of us look at sex as a dirty word? Even if we like it. It's part of our lives. But in, in, in the back of our heads, it's a, it's a dirty act. And we have, a, we have put that in. And the church has become better at this. At being more accepting of, of this God-given thing for marriage. We see sex as dirty in, in and out of itself some more than others. Men's sex drive is godly and a tool for dominion. Woman, more sentimental approach to sex, has created a false image of being a pure and more pious. Do we say yes to this? On a positive note, church probably has a more positive view on sex than it did in previous times. 
I do remember, I come from a non-Christian family, and I do remember my mom being a little bit more, oh yeah, the people from church don't believe that. When in reality it's not that, we believe in it within marriage. But the reality of the perversion of sex, let's let's read a little bit uh, of this. Those who fall into the flames of illicit sexual desire will come out shard, scarred with shame, and having their conscience afflicted by lust, they are instinctively wary of sex. Their experience of the degradation of fornication colors their view even of God-honoring sex. It can be difficult for them to imagine how such a force for sin can ever be truly be good. Especially now that porn is so in the church. Men are addicted to porn even within our midst. The price for, for the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread. Loaf of bread where a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Let's end it here. One thing I would like to say, uh, I have the next Sunday school. What we're presenting here are the problems. But certainly I would like to give solutions at the end of it. um, Because not everything should be, this is what's happening, let's run. We can do something about this. And there's still time for, for us to raise godly men and children. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the time you have given us. That we have a church that we can speak these things. That we can take uh, dominion. That we can raise godly children. Please give us this opportunity to correct. To take our children back. And dominate the culture, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.